Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us. And that's why we're asking for your support. If you like the show, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well. It's only five bucks a month for all these extras. And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air. Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight we read a special request from the widow of a listener to our show. An EVP recording session invites two spirits into a home in Ireland, but what does this listener do now that he wants these spirits to leave? A trip after graduating high school is memorable for a daughter and her mother in Savannah, Georgia, and one listener admits that his hope to experience the paranormal may have brought on just that. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. We're slowly emerging from the cold. <laughs> let's not spend the first 10 minutes talking about our cold symptoms again. Oh, come on. Let's talk about mucus. Let's talk about <laughs> nasal passages and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Yep. Post-nasal drip and all that. That's always fun. Speaking of drips, no, oh. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna end it right there and not bring up the dog. Yeah, thank you for that. Oh, we love our puppy. Yes, we do. She's a good puppy. Hey, if you like the show, make sure you tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, your support is really what helps our show grow. So uh, if you do enjoy the show, you're a, a longtime listener, uh, please do keep sharing it with folks so uh, it continues to uh, to grow just like it has been. Your support is uh, greatly appreciated. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. Of course, you probably, probably already knew that to call into the show here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us you know 24 hours a day seven days a week um should we kick off the show today with a caller or should we go to uh this this letter that we got here uh or should we wait a, a little ways in for that what do you think why don't we go ahead it it's kind of <clears throat> sad so let's let's go ahead and get that okay. out of the way and then try and leave it on i guess some normal notes of okay weirdness that we experience okay this is a very it's, it's an interesting letter so this is uh coming to us from uh alisa alisa writes into us here at real ghost stories uh, online dear tony and jenny bruski i come to you uh in a very sad time in my life with a bit of a unique request let me give you some backstory I'm an ER nurse at a fairly large hospital. My normal shift is third, but very often I find myself working 60 to 70 hours a week. I love my job and take great pride in helping people, but it uh, put a great amount of stress on my marriage. Earlier this year, my husband was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and a few months back, my brother-in-law found him passed out in a diabetic shock. 
Ever since that day, it was like my husband was a different person. A once kind and loving man became very distant and on edge. He's very jumpy and always seems scared of his own shadow. I fear I was not there for him enough because of my long work hours, a decision I'll regret for the rest of my life. He became obsessed with the paranormal in your show in particular. He would listen to you guys with an incredible intensity as if he was waiting for you to say something that was finally going to release him from whatever mental prison he had put himself in. There was no talking to him when your show was on, period. A week ago on my day off, I was called into work uh, second shift at 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. because another nurse took ill. I made it through a very hectic night, and around 12.30, I pulled into my driveway. As I reached to the back seat to retrieve my purse, I saw a flash of bright light in the corner of my eye. I can best describe it uh, like a flashbulb on an old camera. I gathered my stuff and hurried inside. This is really tough. I found my husband unresponsive in his reclining chair. I was not able to resuscitate him. I've talked it over with friends and co-workers and pretty much anyone who would listen to me talk, and I think my husband may have had a near-death experience that day. We found him in the diabetic shock. Whatever did happen to him that night, it took something away from him. I can't help but wonder, was that light flash my husband's soul leaving his body? Tony and Jenny, I told you how intense my husband would listen to your show. I didn't tell you that I had an argument with him before I went to work that last night, and I said some mean things that I'll never be able to take back. My only hope, and I know this sounds silly, is that he is still listening to you guys. I beg you to read this on the show so I can let him know that I am sorry. To my husband, I'm so sorry that I was there for others when the love of my life needed me most. I miss you more and more each day that slowly drags by. I can only hope that you are at peace, but no matter where you are, know that you will not always be alone. I will be by your side before you know it. Catch you on the flip side, honey. Thank you, Tony and Jenny. We just want to express how sorry we are for your loss. And, um, you know, that's such a touching request to us to know that we were such a big part of somebody's life that you'd reach out to us for that. Um, you know, I kind of think once a listener, always a listener. So hopefully he's still tuning in and got the message. Good news. We are being carried in heaven now. We are. <laughs> we are officially being carried in heaven on Godcast. God. And we're up there. Okay. Hell, we're still working on. <laughs> but in purgatory, not quite there yet. But we are being carried. <laughs> but no, that, that is really... Um, that is really touching, um, and uh, thank you for for writing in and, and sharing your story with us, and and sharing um, what was going on in those last couple of days of your husband's life, and those those last couple weeks and months. You know, it, it makes me wonder if if maybe he did have some sort of a near death experience. I think that that may be it. If especially if he suddenly took up a real interest in the paranormal yeah. right after that, I could see that sparking on. Um, or adding to an already, you know, a smaller interest level before that incident. And then, bam, what's going on after having that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I, I could see him listening to our show, trying to see if someone would be able to share a similar story. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to, to find that story to relate to. So I'm I'm glad. I mean, I hope that we, we gave him some enjoyment, yeah. you know, in those last 
weeks and months. Um, you know, it's you know, it's a horrible situation to be in. Our condolences are with you, but uh, but thank you so much uh, to to you and to your husband uh, for being a listener um, to the show. And you know, I'm I'm pretty confident to say he's probably getting your message. Yeah, from I all think of the, so. all of the stories that we hear on this show. Uh, I think the likelihood of him getting it is is pretty high. So I hope that leaves you with, with some peace there. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into our show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We'd love to hear your real ghost story. In fact, let's go to a caller right now. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, Tony and Jenny. This is Tom from Texas. And uh, I'd just like to share a little story that my grandfather told me. And uh, anyways, I went and visited him the other day and kind of got revised on the subject. And uh, anyways, my grandfather, I'll start off by, he was born in 1945. And uh, anyways, when he was growing up, uh, his mom and dad and his seven brothers and one sister, they all traveled around the United States in a station wagon and uh what they would do is they'd go town to town and uh they'd go to hardware stores or you know any place like that and say hey we will go door to door and sell your product for you and we'll just take a little cut of it and so that's pretty much how they made their living and you know they'd go town to town and anyways uh back then it was still the the highway system wasn't all that you know and well, he said a lot of times they'd be on a, a road and uh, it'd be woods on both sides, you know. And so his brothers, they were a little older and they'd all go and they'd go hunting. Back then you could do stuff like that. You know, nowadays you'd go to jail and be thrown in prison. But anyways, his brothers set off and uh, to go rabbit hunting. And well, a couple hours had passed and his father told my grandpa, who had to stay back because he was too young, to... Uh, go get his brothers, go find his brothers, tell him to come back. And so he went through the woods, direction that they had headed, and said he, he got deep down in there and he yelled their names, and he, he heard, over here. So he ran over to where he heard the voice, said there was a sand dune type structure, you know. Said he got on top of it, and he yelled their names again. And he said, from what seemed like straight underneath him, came the words, go back. He said it is, it was kind of authoritative. You know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't malicious and demonic or anything, but just telling them like, go back. And, uh, so my grandfather said he proceeded to run his ass off to, uh, back to his dad. And, uh, anyways, he said as soon as he was running and got to the clearing to where he could see his mom and dad, he saw his brothers walking, coming out from the opposite side of the uh, woods. And uh, he told his dad, he was freaking out, told his dad, and his dad told him, you know, well, that was your, your guardian spirit telling you to go back, that there was danger. And so, I don't know, I just thought it was neat. Thought some other people might enjoy it. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Uh, I have several other stories, but I'll get to those later. Uh, thanks. Love your show. I think he was the inspiration for the original Clark W. Griswold. 
You think so? When I heard the, we were traveling around the country in a station wagon, all I, the immediately thing that came into my head was, Holiday Row! <laughs> Just the picturing this family going around the country in a station wagon selling tools or whatever they can get to sell. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, I, I think it was probably, some, I, I don't know if it was a, a guardian spirit or if it was something that was not to have them there. Um, you know, when I hear something like get back or, or leave or get out, I mean, what comes to my mind is going back to like Amityville or something where, you know, it's like the, the, the dark voice, stern warning, whoever it is, get away. Uh, a warning you should probably heed, by the way. Well, and he was standing up on a sand dune type thing. It made me wonder if there wasn't something buried under that. What's in the sand? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Very interesting. I mean, I I believe it. It 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 sounds you know pretty legit as to something that would would happen uh, in in an odd situation. So, thank you for uh, uh, calling in and sharing that story with us. Her number again eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two to call into Real Ghost Stories online. If you want more ghost stories, you want to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get bonus episodes sent to you every single week. You get access to a complete archive of past EPP episodes and videos. It's only five bucks a month. Plus your support. It keeps our show afloat and alive. We're like the walking dead of ghost shows. It's amazing. But it can only be fueled with your brains. Actually, your $5 donation a month. So you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. So I saw something Someday when we make it to Atlanta, and I insist we go on over to Savannah, yeah, they have outside of Atlanta they have zombie tours where you go see the the sets that they use because oh. they film all that there. Yeah, the sets of Walking Dead. Uh-huh, you oh, can, that would be awesome. You can see Terminus, and you can go to the the <laughs> town from. I forgot what the name of the town was, but the town where oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. governor was in. Charge. Is that a real town? That they used, or is it like a built-up town for the movie? I think it's a built-up town, but I'm not positive. Yeah, that's one hell of a set, if that's a set town for a TV show. Well, the prison was a set that they already took down. It wasn't like an abandoned prison or anything? Mm-mm. It was, that was really? That was a set that they put up and took down, because I, I read that. I think the town may be a town. Okay. Wow. But I definitely want to do that. <laughs> I would love to see that sometime. Yeah, I, say something else so I can take a sip of water. <laughs> you know, I need to go back and watch the old episodes. I've only seen since like season three, and Ooh. but thing the thing is now though, if I go back and there's a character I don't recognize, which is like about eighty percent of the cast yeah, in the first I just season, won't won't get emotionally attached to that character. I'll just be like, well, you're going to be food for the zombies soon. There's so. some that have disappeared and popped back up. Really? Yeah. So we should go back. I'd, I'd love to go. It's been a long time since I've seen the initial episodes of that show. Um, anyhow, continuing on with our real ghost stories today. <laughs> Bobby writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Love your show. Bobby from Ireland here. I've been watching many YouTube shows and I decided to download the EchoVox app off the App Store. A friend in the U.S. told me if I use it, I would have spirits in my home within two weeks. So I got real into it and was getting great, clear results for a while. This is an app I have not tried yet. No. I don't think I want to. Is it different than Ghost Radar? I believe so. Okay. Continuing on, I'm, in, I'm intrigued, but I also kind of scared because I might be bored someday. I'm like, yeah, what does this do? Uh, as the inventor explains, the home does not have to have spirits in the home to get a reply 
from the app as it does a sweep of a large distance. You can ask spirits where they are and they'll tell you. So one day I just thought I'd try for an EVP in my bedroom. And when I checked out, uh, checked out of the PC, I couldn't believe it. I asked how many spirits were with us and I got a reply saying two. I got another EVP telling me, I'm going to be part of your life. <laughs> so every few months, I try to record a few seconds in a sneaky sort of way to see if it's still around. Sometimes while I'm out somewhere, and even while at mass, and no matter where I am, I always get something. As if it's always watching. So I stopped using these devices and have totally ignored them for months, other than the story. But did put my recordings on YouTube, although most cannot be understood. Some can with earphones, but nobody can deny it is a voice I'm hearing in my home. However, I do know for a fact that they are with me every second of the day, and although they do not affect me in any way, I want them gone. I've even done a long-distance EVP session with a guy in America with amazing results. I've accepted I'll never get rid of this spirit. I've tried sage and prayer many times. The sage works for a few days. I'm Roman Catholic living in Dublin, Ireland. Each time I make family movies or any recordings... These two guys, mainly the spirit, is always heard saying nasty things. It seems they do not have the power to move anything, thank God, but I have recordings of them trying to move stuff. It's amazing. This is uh, my recordings on YouTube, and he gives us his YouTube channel uh, name. Uh, can anyone please give some advice? Thanks a lot, guys. And Jenny, I think your input is brilliant. Thank you from Dublin. Okay, I know that this is a serious story, but I just have to say those home videos with the random bad <laughs> ghost in the background. I I think that's funny. But anyway, we singing happy birthday to the toddler. <laughs> Gathered around, there's ponies in the background, pink balloons and ribbon, and all of a sudden, you're gonna fucking choke on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to... <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I And I've, I've not... Did you look at his YouTube channel at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Are you afraid to look at his I YouTube channel? I kind of am. I kind of am. I don't... I don't know. I thought I'd save that for you. Yeah. Um, well, you, clear, you clearly got something. My thought on, on some of those uh, apps... Uh, or really, it doesn't even have to be an app. It can just be a piece of equipment or something that someone's using to uh, communicate. Uh, is that it's kind of along the lines of Ouija ports. You never know what the hell you're going to get. And if you're actively asking for something to communicate with you, you have no control of what's going to come through that device. Whether it's a Ouija board, whether it's the zap, whether it's whatever. Whatever you're using. Yeah. So... I, I'm not going to say, don't do it, do it, um, but uh, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, and I wish I had some advice on what to do to get rid of that. Um, it's very unsettling that one just flat out said he was going to be part of your life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if it's yeah. if it's something that's not demonic or dark, you may just want to try the good old fashioned route of asking it to leave. Uh, and not not doing a ritual, not doing sage, not doing, you know, uh, prayer sessions. Just flat out say, "Look, you're freaking me out. 
I, I'd like you to leave. Please leave me alone. Um, and, and, or, 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 you know, I, re, I'll respect your space. You respect mine. You can be here and do your stuff, but don't make yourself known to me. And no ruining family videos. Yeah. Stop ruining family videos. And it sounds insane, but the thing is that has been the solution that's worked more than almost any other we've ever heard on this show. You hear the solutions of they did an exorcism, they did this, they did a blessing, they, you know, brought so and so in, and and half of those stories like, well, and it came back and it tried to eat my dog. Uh, the times where it's like I asked it to leave and it went away, those are a little more common. Yeah, they are. I think it just depends on what you're dealing with. Yeah, it's, and it's hard to know what it is. I mean, if it's saying weird, bizarre, dark things. Doesn't necessarily mean it's evil. I mean, I would probably say weird, bizarre, dark things to somebody's family video, too, just to kind of freak them out. Yeah, you would. Because that's the kind of ghost I'm going to be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't mean I'm a demon either. So I don't know. I, I would just try going down the road of asking and let us know how that goes. 855 853 4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. It's Allie again. I didn't expect you to call so soon, but I heard a story today that I wanted to share with the show and uh, like the same type of story and just didn't feel like it was appropriate. And then today I just heard that story of the woman at the laundromat and the ghost in there. And I knew that I had to call in. I even stopped the episode, walked out of my office building. Um, I had to call in to just tell you guys the story. So here it goes. Um, when I was probably, I don't know, somewhere in middle school, 10, 11, 12, something like that, my family is big, big boaters. And uh, I grew up in Michigan, and every summer we would go out on the boat and uh, go to every island you could think of. Sometimes you, some summers I spent the entire summer on the boat, and we'd go from Port Huron all the way up to Mackinac, all the way up to Wisconsin. Um, my entire summers were spent boating. And... It's really fascinating with spirits. I can come from that, and I have some other stories. But this one really stands out in particular. So one day, we started a boat trip. It was just to go out to dinner, to go to a local town nearby, Petoskey, Michigan. And we started in Charlevoix. We all got on my dad's 36-foot powerboat, which had a full you know, kitchen and living room downstairs. And this was multiple generations. So it was myself um, and my siblings, my parents. My dad's dad and my dad's mom, so my grandparents, and then my great-grandparents, so my dad's mom's parents, all got on the boat, and we had a beautiful, wonderful, sunny, gorgeous ride to Petoskey, got off in Petoskey, had a great dinner at a fabulous restaurant there called Whitecaps, got back on the boat, and I don't know if it was the energy of eating at a place called Whitecaps, but within... 10 minutes of heading back to Charlevoix, a huge storm, huge storm came out of nowhere on the Great Lakes. These waves had to be between 10 to 20, maybe even higher than 20 feet. They were threatening to capsize the boat. They were huge, massive, just caused a ton of, I mean, it was it was so dangerous. We were going probably two miles an hour, bouncing every which way. The storm was wrecking us. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Charlotte, Michigan, but one of its prominent features 
is that it has a drawbridge under which you must pass before getting into Round Lake, which is where the harbor is. Now, there are 10 foot, 20 foot, 30, almost 30 foot waves, huge storm, lightning, thunder, raining like crazy. And we are trying to navigate this boat, which is literally one inch lower than the center of the drawbridge, which shuts off during the storm under the drawbridge. So there's a ton of stress. Everyone's getting trying to hold down the fort of my, me and my siblings downstairs, and I'm the oldest, so you know that puts that into any sort of perspective. Um, my great-grandma downstairs, my grandma downstairs, everyone's trying to hold down. Meanwhile, the men are upstairs just trying to figure out how to get this boat through the drawbridge. We pull through the drawbridge, and I remember clear as day looking out the window and seeing this perfect lightning hit this lightning rod. No. Um, sorry, someone just walked by and told me that I were talking to myself. So back to the story. Um, saw this perfect um, lightning hit this lightning rod um, come down, and it was like the kind of lightning that you would see in a picturesque coffee table book, like you were taking a picture, right? So we turn around the corner, get uh, into Round Lake. That's when I saw the lightning hit. And we pull up to load the boat at the dock. Now, on a clear day, docking is the hardest thing to do. And you have to remember at this storm, which came out of nowhere, which we were totally unprepared for, 20-mile-an-hour winds, huge waves, even in the harbor, like just uncontrollable, raining like crazy, okay? So we pull the boat up to the dock, and there are these two men and their dog there to greet us and help us with the lines. They're, they're yelling at us, hey, throw out the lines, throw out the lines, and they're not wearing any rain gear. They were wearing jeans and T-shirts, soaking wet, obviously, but it was very real. And we're throwing the lines out to them. They're helping us tie up the boat. And their dog's running up and down the dock. My dad thanks them, and Mom gets off the boat and jumps up to help them with the lines and says, are you guys angels? Thank you so much. They help us tie up the boat. My mom gets back on the boat. Everyone uh, is trying to calm down in the lower cabins, uh, get out of its sickness. And I take a look out the window, and I watch these men walk down the dock with their dog, turn to the right, and they leave. I won't say they vanished, but I never really saw them walk off the dock. Like, I saw them walk down the dock, but not off. My great-grandfather sits up from being silent for the past hour and says, I've never been through anything like that in my whole entire life. Now, this is a 90-year-old plus man, right? Um, So totally unique experience for all of us. And I watch these men just leave. And my mom turns to me and was like, who are those men? And, And I'm, you know, me and what, 10? Say, I don't know, <laughs> you know? I don't really know. So they left, and we never saw them again. Now, keep in mind, this town is small. I mean, Charlotte Boy Machine is very, very small. Everyone knows everyone, especially two men with a dog. Um, and, I mean, we looked for them. We tried to say thank you. I mean, we feel like they saved us from crashing into the dock that particular night. That's how bad this storm was. And, uh, you know, we tried to thank them. We tried to get our message across. 
absolutely nothing. Um, but we feel like there was a guiding hand and to this day my mother still attests that they were angels and they came to help us tie the boat to the dock. And once we were safely there and evacuate, you know, ready to calm everybody down and get to a place where we could evacuate everyone off the ship, um, things, you know, they were able to leave. They were able to, uh, they've done what they could tell us. So I don't know if that's a ghost story. I don't know if that's an angel story. Uh, but after hearing that laundry map story, I just had to call and corroborate this story because uh, it did happen to me, but I never got the feeling. You know, I've been talking to spirits my whole life. I never got that hardcore feeling that that's what they were. I still don't know what they are. They felt very real. They felt like humans. Um, but again, just never saw them again. Nobody, you know, there's nothing to say that they were there. Um, you know, we didn't have any outside corroboration that they were or were not there. Um, but even so, you know, uh, we were able to see them and then we weren't simply never found them again. And we tried to, because we feel like they saved multiple generations that evening, um, from, from hitting the dock. So that's, uh, my story. And, uh, I hope that you found that interesting and fascinating and, and possibly corroborates with, uh, the laundry mat story and uh, while well, again don't know if it's a ghost story or not uh, I have so many more and uh, just keep up the great work guys this is a fantastic show and I'm really glad that I get to call in uh, and, and share these stories on the air I was, you know it's just it's just a cool experience so thank you guys again for all you do and uh, I'm sure I'll call back in with more stories in the future and have a great day Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. Um, it was a really cool story. It was, I don't know if it was this cooler for me because I just lived in Petoskey before I moved here. Um, and you probably have seen the drawbridge she I was know talking about. I know every single place she was talking about in that yeah. story. So I can totally <laughs> picture exactly where she was talking about from the, the Whitecaps restaurant. That was like one of the first restaurants I ate at when I was in Petoskey. It's beautiful. It just overlooks uh, the bay there into like Michigan. And you, the, the boat, the marina's right down the way. You just walk right up to the restaurant. And um, amazing old... You've seen the lighthouse picture I have. Yeah. Um, that, that You can see that lighthouse from the... These, these windows in this restaurant um, and it, it's beautiful in summer um, in winter it's quite a sight because I mean Lake Michigan uh, tr- if you're not familiar with the Great Lakes they can get rougher than the ocean as far as the size of waves and things that these things can produce um, and there's constantly just gale force winds going on there's one of the things that was weird to say every morning gale force wind warning uh, for <laughs> Petoskey and yeah. Charlevoix harbors um, but um the the ice will or the water will freeze closer to shore on Lake Michigan, and you will have literally this this lighthouse uh, covered in ice. It looks like something from Frozen. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> okay, it really does because it and it's it's beautiful, but it just shows the power of nature and and how crazy those waves can get because they'll still break up onto the ice. Um, Petoskey, Charlevoix, both very old shipping towns. Um, and lots of histories, his huge, you know, historic downtowns, just beautiful little places. Um, but, uh, that, that town in Charlevoix, it's a very old downtown. Um, there's some uh, very old boats still sitting there. Um, 
and so much history and, and probably a lot of you know uh, merit not probably there's a lot of maritime history and probably a lot of maritime tragedy um, connected with those towns um, yeah. just from people who were going out uh, when you know when shipping was a bit more of an industry in those towns not because now it's mainly tourism um, but when there there was you know the more of the fishing boats that went out as like the only thing the towns did um, there was probably a lot of deaths. What what lake was it that the Edmund Fitzgerald sank in? I believe it was Lake Michigan. You think so? It was Lake Michigan or Lake Superior. I so think. I was just curious what it sailed it out of or where it sailed out of and everything. Not that I think it's connected. It's just while we're talking about the yeah. lakes being really, really rough, yeah. I was just curious. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all very, uh, very rough. I believe, I, is it Lake Michigan? Uh, Superior, Lake Superior. It was really close to Lake Michigan. It's it's close to the area where the where they connect. Where they connect. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, I could totally see it being some sort of a ghost of a, a a sailor or a fisherman or something that was there just trying to help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with all the energy in the air, with the storm and all that going on, I can't imagine. I mean, that would be so scary. I've I've been you know in those areas when there's these types of storms going on and it is freaky as hell watching those waves crash up i was at a restaurant that was a bit of a ways in from the the lake Uh bottom story of a hotel and the view out window is probably about 50 yards from the lake um but the waves were crashing up so hard onto the the barrier it was hitting the windows like 50 yards in oh, uh, wow. of this restaurant. I mean, it was something out of like, you know, a movie, you know, like the perfect storm is what you can think. So it, it can be very treacherously scary on shore, more or less in the water with your whole family. I've been landlocked my whole life, so I yeah. just can't even imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a sight to see, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I you'll have to take you there sometime because those towns have ghost stories. Yeah, that's a town too where it has a lot of like restaurants that are in old houses and there's one I used to go to all the time and get uh, uh, Sunday nights they had like all you can eat Dungeness crab and we me and my friend would go there and just called it crazy crab night Uh (laughs) just oh it was it was amazing great towns I'm sorry I was going on a little bit too long about how much I love those areas but they are beautiful in summer (laughs) (laughs) I left because winter was just a little bit too harsh for me Uh, 855-853-4802 that's the number to call into our show here at real ghost stories online anonymous writes and I really value you and your wife's show so I wanted to share the story with you I really don't know how to tell anyone else because the people that I thought I trusted just laughed at me in June 2011 my mom and I went on a van to Georgia we loved the rich history and the beautiful scenery so we decided to get out there for an extended weekend I just graduated high school so I felt excited to get out of town for a bit when we got there we were beat My mom made reservations at the Foley Inn, and it was a gorgeous hotel. I knew Savannah was haunted, but my mom had not told me the specific hotel was extremely haunted. She knows I'm scared to death of this type of activity. She loves it, so she figured she could get away with that. Boy, she has a lot of making up to do. It was around 6 p.m. when we walked in, and I went to look around while my mom checked us in. I wandered about until I saw the garden. I was instantly captivated by the color and descriptive landscaping. 
I walked around, smelled the flowers, and uh, sort of just let go in the garden. As I heard my name being called, I turned around to greet my mom when a man propped against the gate was staring at me. He was standing about eight or nine feet away by the entrance, but I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was odd that he had a top hat on and his clothes were aged in the 19th century. I smiled at him and, tipped, and he tipped his hat to me. Since I was in a hurry, I never really saw where he went after. I greeted my mom and said, Sorry, I was so involved with the beautiful garden. There was this cool guy dressed from the 1900s out there, too. He was nice. She gave me a weird look, but I thought maybe she was just getting impatient with me. I picked my stuff up. I was so excited when I found out we were staying in the garden room. I was so, it was so beautiful. It was all white with a beautiful, ornate, vintage headboard. I set my stuff down and looked outside to see the same gardens as before. I didn't see the man, but figured he went back to his room, too. We settled in, ate dinner, came back for an early bedtime at 9 p.m., woke up later around 2.30 a.m. to a knock at the door. I was a little muffed that someone would have the audacity to knock this early, but when I answered, no one was there. I went back to bed, woke up at 8 a.m. to have breakfast with my mom. We were planning on exploring that day, so I remember I ate a lot when the hotel manager asked about our first night. I explained the knocking. The manager looked at me weird and told me the housekeeping goes home at 12 a.m. and the staff usually stays at the front desk if they uh, stay overnight. Even then, she said, they would wait until morning to relay the message. My mom and I thought this was strange, but finished our breakfast without the mention of it again. After a whole day of shopping and sightseeing, we were ready to hang our feet and have some sweet tea. We dropped the stuff off at our room, walked down the street a ways to a little cafe. We enjoyed the company of some locals and asked us where we were staying at. We told them to Foley Inn. And one older woman turned around and gasped and said, The Foley Inn? Stunned at her response, I remember just nodding my head yes because she shocked me. She replied to my mom with a nod, You know about the mister that haunts that place, right? So cliche, right? Sounds like any old horror movie, but I promise you and Jenny that this is 110% real. My mom and I looked at each other, back at the older woman, and replied, confused, no. She went on to tell us about how in 1987 they had to renovate the B&B and found human skeletal remains. It was rumored to be a businessman who mysteriously vanished. She then continued on about how it's believed by staff and locals that this mister haunts the place. My mom, out of curiosity and amusement, went on to ask what this mister looked like. The lady replied, Oh, honey, he was a looker in his days. Some say he's the most handsome ghost they've ever seen. He wears a black suit, nice old top hat. He was a nice fellow. I froze cold, mid-sip of my sweet tea, and gulped. When I had sipped so hard, I almost choked. Her words echoed in my head like I couldn't comprehend what else she said. But about the top hat, and that he was nice. I immediately thought back to the day before. I did notice he was attractive, but I was more focused on his clothing to realize he was kind of cute. By the time I regained focus on my mom and this lady's conversation, it was beginning to get late. I told my mom that we should get back so we can get some sleep for another day of sightseeing tomorrow. On the way back, I told her what I had seen. She looked at me and said, I know, I've seen him too. When I was calling your name yesterday, I looked out the window and stopped when I saw him. I knew something wasn't right, and that's why I was yelling your name so persistently. Needless to say, 
We didn't sleep very well that night, and we didn't see him again. Sorry my story was so long. Thank you for all your hard work. Okay, that's going to be on our list of places to stop, but not stay. Not stay. No. <laughs> I want to visit it, but not stay. Here's an interesting thought. Okay. This is something I've heard before, and, and, and tell me what you think of it. People who go and dress in these periods of clothing with the thought that it's making the entities more comfortable to make themselves appear. People who go on ghost hunts, uh, if they're, let's say, for example, and I'm not saying people have done this, but this is just the only example that comes to mind since we're just talking about Michigan before, going to the Grand Hotel dressed in period attire uh-huh. on Mackinac Island on a ghost hunt. Are you more likely to have an entity appear to you when you are fitting in with what they're familiar with? I've never heard of people doing that, but I don't know that that would help all that much just because if you have a semi-intelligent entity there, Mm -hmm. they've seen the changes throughout the decades. Sure, but are they, would it make them more comfortable? Even Even if they have seen the changes, like, oh, you're one of us. I know they wouldn't think you're a ghost. But yeah, I don't know. I've heard that theory before, and I'm like, well, oh, it has some merit to it. I mean, it, the topic we're talking about here, it's you know pretty out there to begin with, you know, and, and some question even its existence. But if we're talking about it, I don't know. I'd like to know if an investigator that that does investigations in regular clothing. And then also does investigations in period clothing if they have different results. Oh. And and just see, you know, yeah. just to find out because, I mean... I don't remember where I heard yeah. that. I know it was recent, but I was like, oh, I'm going to bring that up on the show. Cause what it a sounds... neat thought. I don't know. Oh. I would definitely dress up in Civil War era stuff and walk all around Atlanta if it would bring something out just because I always wanted to dress up like that. Maybe it had to do with the story I heard about reenactors. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to recall where I'd heard of this idea and it might have been about uh, the idea of reenactors seeing more spirits because they the theory was the reenactors or the ghosts that are on some of these battlefields where the reenactments are going on um they think maybe it's making them more comfortable to to show up because like oh you're one of us i don't know just a thought that's a neat thought yeah. i don't know so, that's really cool yeah 855-853-4802 is our phone number dominique writes in i have a story that all i've uh, that i always admired because of how clear the apparitions were and i love telling it for a while in california the fifth grade classes would take a trip to catalina island for the weekend we take a ferry there and get bunkmates now, before I start, let me tell you some information that you'll need later. At the point, or at the port, if uh, that's what it's called, my bunkmate, whom we were all assigned to, brought a small collectible car from the gift shop. After leaving and heading there, everything was fine and dandy. My bunkmate and I talked until one of our teachers came in to tell us to go to sleep. Turned out the lights, went to sleep. Later, I woke to having to go to the bathroom. I shook my bunkmate's shoulder. I have to go to the bathroom told her she tossed slightly just go she told me and went back to sleep we aren't supposed to leave the tent alone at night i told her but she didn't move at all after wiggling for a bit i ended up getting up and heading across the bridge which is over now a dry creek i ran across the bridge and dirt road into the bathroom stepped into it and looked around it was clean and empty 
went into the stall and finally relieved myself. I sat on the pot, and when I was about to get up, I heard someone walk in. One of the sinks turned on, and I heard something splashing around. Hello, I said, and there was no response. The splashing continued for a bit, but I didn't hear, I didn't hear any steps retreat. I got up the courage to open the door, and nobody was there. I stood there looking at the water all over the sink and mirror. I bolted out of the bathroom into the middle of the road and saw a lantern. Someone was walking towards me holding a lantern, which forced me to run to the bridge. I got one step on the dirt and looked up. In front of me stood a deer, a large male, but it wasn't alive. It was white. It seemed to have mist or steam coming from it. I didn't feel threatened at all, but I was still frightened. I stared at it for a while, longer, and managed to pull my eyes away. When I did, I realized what I just saw. It was the spirit of some animal. I ran to my tent and hid under my blankets quickly. I heard something coming towards my tent and stop in front of it. I took one step in and I passed out from fear. I woke up to all my belongings and my bunkmate's belongings spread out amongst the tent. I woke her up and I told her what I had seen. The weirdest thing about this is that she woke up with the uh, collectible in her sleeping bag, and I know she didn't do it because she fell asleep before me. I got up, put my stuff away, and noticed that right in front of our tent, it was wet. It wasn't wet in front of anyone else's or anywhere around the tent. I have told this story so many times that I perfected it and would really love to share it on the air. I don't know who I saw or what reason there were for the animal showing itself, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what happened to me because I've always felt there was a deeper meaning to the events that occurred. Nobody ever seems to believe me, though, since the splashing, the lantern, the deer, and the moving of our items seem unrelated. Thanks for reading my story. I I don't know how they are related, but I think they are. Yeah. It, it has something to do with the area, I think, or at least that's my opinion. Um... And I don't know the history of that area at all. I've recognized the name, but I'm not real sure. I don't, I mean, I, I, I'd almost, you know, venture into the area of something, you know, Native American or mm-hmm. something of that nature. Um, you know, it, it, it is odd with, you know, the water turning on and off. I, I'm wondering if almost the water turning on and off was just a normal event Maybe there was somebody who went in there quick, splashed some water on their face, and walked out. Mm-hmm. And you never really knew it, but then you saw something paranormal, and then you connected the other two as being part of it. Maybe that part wasn't really necessarily paranormal, just good timing, if you will. Yeah. Um, but seeing the uh, the animal, um, that seems, you know, a bit more on the paranormal side of things. Sure. The water in in front of the tent, and you, know, you almost you kind of link that back to the sink, and yeah. So I don't know. It's a very know. good story. I just I don't know what to make of that. There's just so many things going on, yeah. all at once. Yeah, I don't know exactly what I would what I would think of that. But thank you for uh, for writing in and sharing that story. If you uh, haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any uh, episode of the show and uh, help us grow our community even more. So uh, make sure you uh, you do that if you enjoy the show. Ryan writes in, one night I was lying in bed talking to my wife. We had a, uh, been conversating for a few minutes when I heard a strange creaking noise. It almost sounded like our front door was opening. 
My first thought was that someone was breaking into my house. I turned to my wife and placed my finger up to my lips, signaling her to be quiet. After a few moments in silence, I decided to get up and investigate. I grabbed my handgun, in case I was confronted by an intruder. After a strict search, I found nothing. I walked to the front door, looked through the blinds to see if I could see anyone. No one was there. I checked the doorknob to make sure the door was locked. As I turned around to walk back to the bedroom, I glanced at the refrigerator. I noticed that the calendar that was hanging by a magnetic clip was lying on the kitchen floor. As soon as it registered in my mind that it was the source of the noise, I heard a laugh. It was a laugh that was not of this world. I instantly froze. I gathered the courage to look under the table to see if someone was there. And nothing was there. I became more frightened. When I returned to my bedroom, I told my wife what had happened, and after some discussion, I wrote it off as the floor or a board creaking from temperature change. The next morning, I wanted to recreate the situation. After placing the calendar back on the refrigerator, I realized it could not fall on its own as the magnet was too strong. I tried to push it myself, and after I did, it fell two to three inches, and it would stop. I had to push it hard for it to fall all the way to the floor. I realized at that point that my mind was not playing tricks on me, and that I actually had heard a laugh, and that something had to have knocked the calendar to the floor. A laugh was not from something living. There's no way to recreate the laugh that I heard, almost as if it was on a different frequency than human. Days before this, after listening to your show, I told my wife I wanted to experience something paranormal. I guess I should be careful what I ask for, because I feel like I opened a door that may not shut. All I'm going to say is, could be true. I don't know. Could be true that he opened that up and... That's why when I phrase things, I'm very careful. It's like, I'm not really wanting anything to happen. I'm intrigued, Mm -hmm. but I'm not wanting anything to happen. I could also see some way for the wife to pull a huge prank on the husband. (laughs) You're going to stop listening to the show so much. (laughs) Stop listening and pay attention to me. Yeah. (laughs) I, I could see that too. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for writing in and sharing that story. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Hi. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Tony. It's Deborah Ann Cullen from Ryslip in England. I've just had to pause your podcast from the 17th of November talking about the kitty cats and mounting and whatnot. Well, I've just been dealing with that with my puppy, my Sheltie puppy Stumps, uh, and it's basically a dominance thing. I didn't know that it could go through the breeds, uh, through the different species of animals, but, well, I suppose it can. But also on the sentimentality and the intelligence of an animal, uh, I mentioned before for Wharf Dog, you played her story a couple, maybe a week and a half or two ago, um, and she had left me the sliding marks in the mud. Well, when I had to leave Wharf Dog during our trials and tribulations, I also had to leave Bell Cat. She's a tuxedo cat who's now about eight years old. Um, I had to leave her with my good neighbors at the time, um, and she'd already kind of adopted their home, uh, Roger and Scylla were their cats and she just kind of became part of a trio and they were good enough to keep her for four years. They weren't able to keep her for any longer and God bless her, she was able to come back to me and uh, what a blessing it was. It's great having her back in the house and now we've got the kittens as well. 
But I can tell you for fact that when I had to leave Belle four plus years ago, I would go back to the house where she was still kind of popping in and out. And I would mentally project to her what was going on, that I had to leave her behind. And I would cry, and I guarantee you, she would lick my tears. And again, for four years, I once visited her at the house that she'd gone to adopt, and um, it was nice to see her, but she wasn't too attached to me. And then suddenly when she came back to me, she didn't mind a new dog, she didn't mind a new home, she doesn't mind a new kitten now, she puts up with being chased. Uh, it's all very good. That cat knew, I'm convinced that she need, she and I had to be separated for a while and that we would be joined again together. I'm convinced of it. I'd swear on my life. In any event, I hope that it warms the hearts of any other animal lovers who have been put in that situation in the past. Your animals know. It hurts. It hurts like nobody's business, but golly geez, they know. In any event, y'all are absolutely stellar. Hope you're feeling better from your colds. And keep up the great work. Loving you from England. Bye. Thank you so much for your call. You know, we've talked about Lena, our border collie on the show. But two weeks before we got Lena, we got real brave and we got a kitten first. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is named Bubbles after one of our favorite characters from Trailer Park Boys. Mm -hmm. And so we have Bubbles and Lena here. We got them within two weeks of each other. We've had them both about a month now. Yeah. And they love each other. They play together. But I don't know how much mounting will go on once <laughs> Bubbles is big. It's always a sign of a good call when the first thing the person says in an English accent. I was just listening to your, your show and had to pause. You were talking about animals mounting each other. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh. That was great. Everything sounds so much better with a British accent. I got to use the, uh, <laughs> it should be like in the highlight reel. Well, listen to Real Ghost Stories Online. I was listening to the animals mounting each other. <laughs> I believe that actually ended where I was talking about the cats that uh, was putting a cigarette out on the other cats. Yeah, you took it just that much further. <laughs> that's, My... a, that's actually stolen from a Phil Hendry bit. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. There was a, a bit uh, that was done years ago. And... Uh, it ended. It was a woman calling into the show, and it was a fake caller, but people were um, believing this was a real character calling uh -huh. into the show. And uh, the woman was uh, complaining that there was a neighborhood cat that was raping the other cats. <laughs> and and Phil was trying to explain that cats don't rape each other. It's, uh -huh. it's, how, it's how cats do it. And she's like, no, he was pushing her down, and then he put the cigarette out on her. Oh, wow. It was so freaking bizarre, but hilarious, just because it's, you know, cats. So, anyhow. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but yes, uh, Bubbles and Lena. Mm -hmm. Animals, I think, do have some sort of a psychic ability. Yeah, they I, do. I think they, they, they tend, you know, I don't know if it's psychic or it's just a sense that um, that we don't have. Yeah. You know, and they, they tend to, you know, know things you know, before us for whatever reason, you know. Yep, they on do. certain levels. Uh, one more call before I wrap up the show for today. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. This is Queen Kingsley coming from Sedalia, Missouri. Um, recently in your last podcast, I heard, I heard a young gentleman, I suppose his name was Ruben. Uh, anyway, he was talking about pressure on his chest, what felt like a cat. And then, of course, later what he surmised was a dog. 
only to find that it was not his dog. Well, anyway, <clears throat> I'm assuming, from what I know, that this was not anything necessarily paranormal, but perhaps astral projection. When the spirit tries to return to the body, oftentimes there will be a pressure. Some people will confuse this with uh, sleep paralysis. But in this case, uh, given how Ruben explained uh, the situation, I can't help but think that this was a sort of astral projection. And when this happens, one of the most, uh, one of the strongest things that one can do to make sure that they're safe is ground themselves before they fall asleep. You know, imagine a tail going into the earth or becoming roots, if you will. Um, and then, of course, sometimes if you don't do this, if you do actually astral project, which is in and of itself not a bad thing, but if you're not consciously aware of what you're doing, um, you can run into perhaps going someplace where you might not want to be or perhaps bringing something back you don't intend, which could explain why the dog had growled, which was usually a docile dog, I believe he said. Uh, anyway, I hope this helps, and especially for, for the young caller, um, because it can be a scary experience. But anyway, good luck, and thank you for the show, and I'll pick on you guys later. Want to work on some astral projecting? No, I don't think so. I think that'd be kind of freaky. I just I, want to stay in my bed. It's one of those things I don't really want to experiment with. No, no, when I don't. Even know how you do that. I don't want to know. Nobody tell me. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where when he's talking about grounding yourself, I'm like, what do you take a copper wire and like wrap it around your tooth or something? No, you know? um, I went. I I totally get his reference to grounding because sure. that's something that sensitive people and empaths should do on a regular basis to kind of level their energy. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things that they say to do is to like go out walk in the grass with no shoes on and imagine like literally like imagine like roots going from your feet into the ground and grounding yourself they also say cats are really good for grounding that you you know petting a cat somehow balances that energy so okay that's your useless bit of trivia on that for the day i was going to somehow connect uh foot fungus to fungus in the grass of like a uh, a mushroom or something and and then letting, mushrooms pop and letting up. the two connect. And, and that's where Smurfs come from. Growing a hybrid <laughs> foot fungus mushroom that you could put on a pasta dish. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that's disturbing as hell. All right. In the last 10 minutes, we've talked about animals mounting themselves and a hybrid foot fungus to put on a <laughs> pasta dish. And that does it for our show today, folks. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. I think we're starting to feel better. I think so, too. (laughs) Uh, If you're not an EPP yet uh, and you enjoy the show, please support us. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get uh, bonus episodes sent to you every week. You get access to our complete archive of previous episodes, which now is up to about 12, I believe. Uh, and you get the, the uh, exclusive video content as well. So uh, it's it's a nice added thank you, and you get some bonuses, and you keep our show on the air. So please consider uh, doing that. Uh, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.